Rick is going to uh, share a word with us, and I'm going to say this on his behalf. This word hasn't come easily. Um, it's, it's, we've gone like this as elders to know the right things to say in this atmosphere. And, and I'm, I'm going to let him introduce it, but I'm going to say, parents, you're responsible to be parents. That Rick's job is to bring us the word. And, and some that he's going to do is challenge us in our walk. And so I'm just, I'm highlighting that to you. Lord, I thank you that as you speak your word into Rick today, and as he shares the word with us, you promise that your word transforms us, transforms us, transforms us in Jesus' name. Amen? Good morning, y'all. How you doing? Um, a couple of commercials before we get started. Uh, this week, um, I just found out just a few days ago, um, we have a really neat honor here in Dwelling Place. One of the pastors that I've met in, in, uh, in Jordan, a pastor from, can I kill this again? Um, thank you. That, uh, one of the pastors I met in Jordan, who's a pastor over a number of churches in, about, I think about 36, 37 churches in Egypt, will be here, uh, I think he gets here Tuesday night, and be here through Friday. Um, and we may be doing something sometime during the week, so just keep your ears. It'd be really cool honor to, if you can, to come uh, participate in something that we do with him here. A uh, really precious man of God, but also the price that he's paying to do it. Do you what? We are doing it. So I can say it. Pardon me? No, I didn't. 6.30 Wednesday, we're going to be doing something with this pastor. And if you'd like to come and uh, hear what God's doing in that region, but also what the word of the Lord did, he would speak to us. Also, I asked for prayer in two sides. One is, is um, they just asked me recently to, if I would go to Egypt. And I haven't told you this. I'm just wondering about this. Uh, um to go to Egypt. I haven't told them yet. So, so I told them I'd pray about it. Uh, to go to Egypt, uh, there's, they're bringing all these church leaders together in Egypt, in, in Cairo. And uh, I need you all to pray about that with me, if you would. And the uh, second one is I need you to pray about, of course, is that in a few weeks I'll be leaving to go, to, uh, last of February, go to Le- go be going to Beirut. And we're doing a leadership conference there with also with just leaders from Syria and Jordan and and uh, Lebanon, and do with them. And then I'll cruise on up to Croatia. So, but anyway, Paul's giving me that look like mercy. So, anyway, can we pray? Ain't she awesome? She puts up with me. She loves me in spite of me. Lord, I just want to ask that you come with revelation today. Give us revelation of, of your awesomeness. But Lord, also give us wisdom that we may walk in this world. So Lord, we just thank you for your goodness and for all that you're doing. Lord. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. The word that we got is, is uh, you know, continue on this thing with the, the collision of culture and truth and righteousness. And the particular one, if you'll see it in the, in the top of your notes there, is, is pertaining to uh, the collision of culture as it pertains to sexuality. And we sort of noted, uh, you know, I told you all back in, uh, um, yeah, 
fact, that on the 25th, we'd start this series. It'll be about three weeks. Thank you, Ben. Uh, about this. Because it's just a massive thing right now going on. And if you need a handout, if you would just raise your hand up. Please, hand out. Raise your hand up. But uh, that, you know, it's just amazing what's happening in the world now and how culture is trying to really push back in this area, in the area of, literally, as you've noticed, the physical relationship of a husband and a wife, or just literally distortion of physical relationships. And we feel like that in DP here, we, there's a place that we need to really speak the truth of God in a way to allow uh, it to come out. And I just want to just read something to you, something to highlight the measure of the culture clashing right now that's going on. And this is, a, this is out of a major news uh, report that I read. Um, the owners of a Christian bakery who, who refused to make a wedding cake for a lesbian couple are facing hundreds of thousands of dollars in fines. Now, Sean, don't begin messed up here now. And fines after they were found guilty of violating the, the, the couple's civil rights. The o Oregon Bureau of Labor and Industry said that they found substantial evidence that sweet cakes by Melissa discriminated against the lesbian couple but violated the Oregon Equality of Act of 2007. Now, what's, what's happening here is this couple, literally as the article goes on to say, you know, they just, it was against their conviction to, to make this wedding cake for this lesbian couple. And as a result, uh, their business has been shut down. And now they're baking cakes out of their house. And, uh, and literally, as, as you see this thing going on, uh, I want to read to you the mindset that's being projected in the culture this day and time. Um, the Labor Commissioner, Brad Avakin, Avakin, or something like that, told the Oregonian, that's a newspaper in that area, their desire is to rehabilitate businesses like this one owned by this Christian couple. So, Hash, you need to be rehabilitated. That's what the world would say to us. And that's what's happened. This is real. And don't think that this is just isolated in Oregon. Let me read you these. Um, in December, a Colorado baker... This is all recent stuff, y'all. In December, a Colorado baker was ordered by a judge to either serve gay weddings or face fines. Jack Phillips, owner of Masterpiece Cake Shock, was told to cease and desist from discriminating against gay couples. New Mexico Supreme Court ruled in August that two Christian photographers, where's Jeff Greeno and Jane? I heard them talking about that two, Christ, that two Christian photographers who declined to photograph a same-sex union violated the State Human Rights Act. In Washington, an attorney general filed a lawsuit against a florist who refused to provide flowers for same-sex couples and weddings. And all of these are facing not just a few thousand dollars in fines, hundreds of thousands of dollars in fines because they're asking to do something that's contrary to their convictions and truth. And this is a major clash in our society today. And we'll, literally, I fear here in the spirit, the Lord just saying, wake up, O sleeper. Well, that's on one side. And I, and I don't want to just highlight homosexuality that's permeated in our culture. Really, that's why we're calling this series in relationship to sexuality. In fact, not, we're not calling it that. In fact, now we'll describe this in a second. We're not even talking about sexuality because sex, in fact, sex is not even mentioned in the Bible per se. The word sex. Literally, any time you hear the, the addressing about sex, 
quote, I'm going to use that term for a second here, and then that'll be the last time you hear it in relationship to it. It always refers to it in relationship to love and in knowing or intimacy. And so, and we'll say some other things about that in a second. But one of the things, so our heart is to really speak the word of God in a way to allow the body of Christ to have some foundations to deal. Now, if you'll notice in your handout, there's some things as I was praying, the Lord highlighted three areas with two subsets in each area that where this clash of culture is trying to attack. And and notice the first one is healthy physical relationships within the context of marriage. Holiness and love as opposed to fleshly lust. Example, pornography or isolation. God's heart is that, these, that, our, that our relationships in our marriages would be holy and they'd just be permeated with love rather than the relationship be lust-based. You know, you know, just recently I had a young man in this body come to me and just, and I know you won't mind me sharing this in this way because I'm not going to tell you who it is and you wouldn't guess who it is, but I mean, he's come to me in this body, married and all this kind of stuff, but just saying to me, Rick, I'm just dealing with masturbation in the, in the marriage. And here he is, he, there's a place of needing to understand and be fathered in the area intimacy where Satan and the culture is trying to steal from him intimacy with his wife. You know, and so God's heart is that that would be awesome, it, it, that relationship with his wife would be awesome and it'd be holy and full of love. And you see the second formation, holy and healthy, loving, physical relationship with marriage. And that, and just like sort of as I summarize that. And I want to say this, y'all, that our heart, and we're not going to necessarily go into details of this. We don't want to speak against something. We want to really speak into the awesomeness of. And that's God's heart for us to have relationships within the context of marriage that are just full of joy and love. And I'm using scriptural words in relationship to descriptions of that. Second area that I see the attack of culture is the revel that attacks the revelation about premarital or extramarital traps about the physical. In other words, right now, this day and time, it's just sort of normal for a couple who are not married to live in live together, to shack up together, to you know, or a couple that's in dating to have sex, the big thing, you know. I mean, it's just normal, and that is a clash of the culture to try to push our society, this generation, into that. And, and it, because of that, you see these two areas. One, a deception and ignorance about the purpose, time, and process of love. The other area is, is that it hinders, when culture pushes us in that way, it hinders the discovery of the love of the bridegroom, Jesus, and of the church, the bride. Because that's where fullness is. And what Satan is, is pushing us into that area. And, you, and it, something's lost. And destroyed. The third area that these distortions come is what I call it distortions about soulish needs as it pertains to physical relationships. And when that occurs, these distortions occur, it opens the doorways for adultery or homosexuality. And we'll talk about that in more depth here as the time goes on. But I see these as three areas that where I see the enemy in cult, using the culture of this world to come. And we want to see God heal this. Y'all, this culture, this perversion in this society today is, is having such weird effects. Like, for example, about 20 years ago, it was one in four women, one in four women were sexually abused, one in five men. But as, as society has progressed, this culture has affected us 
It has grown to its one in three. One in three women are, are abused. Or one in four young men are abused. So you just take a sampling of a people like this and a normal thing, which if you just go out in the world or if you'd go on a university campus and go and just speak, I can guarantee you that you could probably go around and do a survey that with every three young women there had been sexually abused in some way, shape, or form. Why is that? That's an end result that we're seeing happening in a perversion or an affecting of the culture trying to push our society that has these fruits. But y'all, we've got to make a stand. It, we can't be silent. That we've got to make stands in a way that that uh, that is in line with God's word. Now, one of the things that, as I was proceeding this, I was supposed to preach this morning, and just literally on what the purpose of a physical relationship was. But it's a hot issue. The second one, we will deal with the. The, the distortions of, of when needs are not met in us, how they can manifest in, in, in many different ways. And that, that'll be the, the last of the series, maybe. That, uh, but I was going, Lord, this is a hot issue, and so we're, how do we deal with this? And I happened to think about the other day when uh, the interns came up to the house when it's, when, some, when it's got real nasty weather, and so uh, you know, I just brought them up to the house, and, uh, and so I happened to know having the freezer some biscuits. They're pretty good. There's frozen biscuits. And uh, so I just uh, cranked up the oven and put, uh, put, them in, put them in the oven and started baking these biscuits. Well, the timer goes off, and so i got to take them out of the oven. Now, us being moving in the house, new house, I don't know where anything is hardly. And so I'm going, I need to take these biscuits out of the oven. And so what am I looking for? You know, the, the mitt, you know, to pull them out. And so I thought, Paul's got them somewhere. And so I'm looking around, I look over in the sink, and this is God's honest truth, I'm not exaggerating. I look over in the sink, and there's some rubber gloves. And I'm going, nah, I don't think that would be good. <laughs> yeah, look at y'all, y'all think one thing I would do that? <laughs> Probably, <laughs> yeah. And I'm going, no, that won't work. So I turn around, I'm looking, and I just go, I just grab something. I think I grabbed a towel and just pulled the biscuits out of the oven. Well, oh, this is such a hot issue that I felt like the Lord was saying to me, before you head into this, you need to provide and lay a foundation, gloves for us to handle this issue. And so there's four things I just want to share with you today that seemingly and in and of themselves seem unrelated to this, to this issue of culture pressing us and, and trying to steal from us a healthy perspective of, of, a, of a physical relationship within the context of marriage. So let's look at these things. And the first one is, is one I've already talked about. But, it, but to talk about this, we need to have this in the back of our head. At the first of the year, uh, really the word that the Lord spoke and gave a picture to me about the collision of culture and uh, righteousness and truth. And if we're going to make a stand in this, it's very, very important that we stand in relationship to the truth of God. Truth is not relative as the world would tell us. Truth is not evolutionary. Truth is truth. Jesus is the who of truth. He is the way, the truth, and the life. If we want to know where truth comes out, it comes out of intimate relationship with God. Everything will come out of that. Truth is not a concept. Truth is a person. It's him. But what is truth? Is it the word of his mouth? The words that come forth out of the very nature of who he is. John 17, 17. Father, sanctify them in truth. Thy word is truth. 
An interesting thing to me about, and as I said that last time, is that the very Word of God bears witness of the person of God. Where Jesus said in John 5, 39, you know, you search the Scriptures because in them you think you have eternal life, but it is these that bear witness of me and you're unwilling to come to me. See, our society is very spiritual. Very, very spiritual. Very spiritual. But our society... They want things of the Spirit, but they don't want the person in the reality of who he is. They want to form him in the likeness of their own image, like the Hebrews did in relationship to the golden calf. When Aaron, when Moses goes up on the mountain and Moses is delaying, and it literally where it says there, they took the calf and they formed it into their image, the image that they desired. And they declared over it, this is our God that brought us out of Egypt. It's crazy. A calf, a golden calf. But that's what they want, the world wants to do is form Jesus or form God into his image, into their image. And that's what the world wants to do. But it's truth. It's the truth, the word of God. And we want to, when we're dealing with sexuality, there's only one place to go. It's here. In the word of God, in the light of the person of truth. But the interesting thing also, we can know the person and the, the what of truth, the word of God will always line up with the spirit of truth because I can speak the word of God, as I told you before, not in the heart of God, not in the spirit of God, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faith, self-control, and mistruth. Pharisees knew the truth. They knew the what of truth, but they didn't know the who, and they didn't know the spirit of truth. For us to make a stand in relationship to the, the issues that are confronting our culture today, it's going to be Jesus that changes it. And we're going to have to speak him in the spirit as he is the truth. Righteousness, as we said that last time, it cannot, we've said that there are three types of righteousness. Righteousness according to men, and that's the, the testimonies I was reading to you today. The righteousness which is of men alters and changes with the culture. And that's what's sad to me, is that all of a sudden, when you have a major leader, all of a sudden, preaching things out, a whole, the whole, what is right is transformed and changed. It's amazing to me things have changed in just a few short years, in, the, in recently. That's righteousness of men. But the righteousness of God never changes. But the righteousness of God can be revealed in the law, the law of Moses. And that is truth, but the righteousness according to the law of Moses is, deals with externals. But what God has called us to, to deal with the situations and circumstances that are confronting our culture, is to operate in the righteousness which is according to the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, the law of Christ, which is a righteousness, not external actions, but a righteousness which is according to the heart. And we've got to realize this. Because, y'all, we're going to have to make some stands and we'll have to speak some things, but we got to be careful that we do not judge according to appearance sake. That's what he was judging the Pharisees for. You judge things by, by fleshly appearance, but judge a righteous judgment. A righteous judgment is that which is in faith and also love. That is the righteousness of the law of the Spirit of Christ in life, Christ Jesus. Anything we're going to say has got to be in faith and love. 
We gotta, when we see circumstances and situations attacking people, we got to realize that what's going on, the situations are going on, are from the, they're attacking hearts. And that's what, we got to think not globally, we, even know we, we need to think globally, but we need to think, as we think globally, we need to think individually and deal with, with hearts, human hearts. That's what Jesus came to do. The kingdom of God is within and it bursts out. So when we deal with these issues that we're going to see in people that are struggling with things, um, the issues that are dealing with are from going, things going on in them. And that's what will happen and manifest out. And, uh, and God is calling us to be a people to understand this. Uh, let me just give you a summarization. I'm not speaking of a, a specific scenario that I've dealt with, but, a, but a, probably a summary. Oh, this is so relevant for us in this room, how the world would try to, culture would push. And, and the world uh, and, and the body of Christ will not understand um, like a scenario like this, like a, a young man who's raised up in a, as, a, as a gifted art, art, just gifted arts wise. And I've seen this many places, okay? So I'm not just speaking in relationship to a specific person. But, but he's gifted arts, very creative, musically or, or whatever in arts. But then all of a sudden, he's raised up in a culture, in a back, in a, in a culture surrounding him is a culture that, you know, of, of like I'm out of, Okeechobee, you know, or a man, you know, served on a ship, we got a dude chew, chew in his mouth, you know, and, uh, and you know, and, and what a man is, well, you man is goes hunting and fishing, and, and you go, man goes, plays football and basketball, and, and all of a sudden this boy's raised up in this culture, this, this environment, uh, what a man is, and tells him what a man is when, he's, when he doesn't, when God has expressed the very man of God in him in the areas of creativity, what the world would press into him is this mindset that, oh, I'm not a man. And then maybe in that whole process, somebody comes up to him and says, this happened, I wish I had a nickel for every time this has happened. Somebody says to him, "Go, oh, you, might, you, don't, like, you don't like playing football, you must be gay. And all of a sudden, he goes, why would he say that? Why would they say that? Maybe it's true. Or maybe somebody comes along, an older guy comes along, and, and you know how things happen in a society, tries to make a pass at this young man. And all of a sudden, he goes, why would somebody do that? Why would somebody do that? There must be something wrong with me. Maybe, maybe I must be gay. And so all of a sudden, in his heart, is formed this lie, an identity that would affect and how he'd see and operate in himself. But so, but, his, but when Christians come near him and he's wrestling with these temptations, would they know and they see the things he's struggling with externally and condemn him? Or would they operate in the righteousness and the truth of God to be able to look at that young man's heart and to speak into him the truth of God that would set him free, to realize he's not put down, that he is a man of God, why is it, y'all, that you'll find as a percentage, now make sure you hear what I'm saying here, as a percentage, there'd be a higher percentage of people dealing with homosexuality in like the arts and theater in a, you do, at Virginia Tech. I bet you, if anything, you go to Virginia Tech in the theater department, you take a survey, 
of how many people are dealing with homosexuality in that environment, and I'll tell you, it'll probably be a higher percentage than it would be on the football team. Why is that? Because believers in Jesus Christ have not, up to many years, have not understood how to speak manhood into a generation. And the lies that even literally the church have permeated. And so, because we have not understood the fullness of the righteousness of God and the truth of God that goes forth. You know, that's why I praise God for people like Ron, you know, a man of God who's really sitting, Rob, Rob's kind of interesting, they're sitting here today, you know, and the two men of God who really permeate and infect this body with the arts and righteousness and truth and like the ministry of those two men into my life to call the man of God out of me, the arts, that God is both a warrior and a poet. David was both a warrior and a poet. And so, so we need to understand, and when we make stands, we need to understand in truth and righteousness of God. The second thing the Lord really pressed in my heart that we need to be able to handle this hot issue with is this Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verses 5 and 6 passage. Where the Lord says, the wise, he who keeps a royal command experiences no trouble. But a wise heart understands the time and procedure for every event. See, what Satan wants to do is you've got an awesome event. You've got an awesome delight. Literally, in fact, that Hebrew word there in Hebrews 8, 5, and 6 is the word for delight. And y'all, a, a, a purpose, a physical relationship between a husband and a wife is a great delight. It's a great gift from God. But like Satan, he always want, what he wants to do is take a delight out of the proper context and allow it to be distorted in ways. But, this, but as I speak, and it's very important for us to be able to communicate these things in relationship, to understand uh, the purpose. In fact, that's what we'll next week, the Lord willing, we'll, we'll get into the purpose of a physical relationship between a husband and a wife. What is the awesome purpose of it? What, why would God do something like that? You know, and, uh, and to catch vision of it, of the absolute purpose. I am, I, I'll say this to you. I'm not big about the next, you know, the next generation before it gets married to say, don't have premarital sex. Don't. No, my heart is to speak it in a way they catch vision of purpose, time, and process. Because when they catch vision of purpose, time, and process, they, it, what, where they're headed is from the heart. You know? And so we don't want to create more bondages like going, no, 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 no. Because how many people have I had to pray with after marriage, they go, well, you know, you know before we're getting married, it's no, 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 no. And as soon as we have our honeymoon, it's yes. What? I mean, they're dealing with something in their soul. But we've got to create purpose so that then when they come to that point in time, in that relationship, they understand, this is the time. Oh, this is what? This is the time. Like Jesus appeared at the fullness of time. And then when time comes, you know, like the joy, like, it's kind of interesting, these two sitting right here, Ben and Shelley, you know, one of the joys for me was to do their wedding. And Ben, to be able to walk with a man of God like Ben, 
I mean, when I say a man of God, I mean a man of God who understood purpose and time and process and to see it birth and literally <laughs> now. <laughs> it's Shelly the same way, the awesomeness in that and see, you know, now those are joys. And to see them in love with each other and, you know, which is one of the probably closest things I've come close to setting anybody up, but it, but it wasn't. But it wasn't. To understand the purpose. And the second thing, I just I say this about time. See, Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, you know, everything is beautiful in its own time. It's so crucial to know time. Uh, like, like an apple. You know, green, you know, not cool. Well, it can be, if you like, but it's going to turn, it's, you know, it's, you don't want to eat a bunch of it. But an apple at the fullness of time is ripe, it's ready, it's eaten. And, you know, whatever the vegetable or fruit it may be, there's a time to eat it. And it's the same thing in relationships, there is time. Like, uh, in, 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 the, in that context, y'all, there's this passage in, in Ecclesiastes also, no, I'm sorry, in Song of Songs, chapter 8, verse 4, and also in, in chapter 2 and I think chapter 4. But do not awaken my love before it can be satisfied. This is so crucial. This is so important in, in relationships for things to be awakened awaken at the proper time. Now, parents, I speak to you real quick. And y'all walk. Y'all walk in a way, in a journey that, you know, even Paul and I are just a little bit out of it. You know, we've got a 30-year-old and a 26-year-old. And some of the things that we had dealt with in a way were, you know, our mindset was, you know, well, you know, uh, you know, when Shay gets, Shay and Michelle get 11 and 12, that'll be a time that we'll really take them out and we'll try to speak into them about, you know, about purpose and time in the area of life, physical relationships. But then down through the years, as if I've been doing counseling to people's and ministering to people's lives in relation, a lot of times in relationship to sexual issues, realizing that the major issues that occur when somebody's dealing with a major issue in relationship to sexuality, many times that, that event occurs at four, five, and six. So sexual identity and, and stuff can be so formed at earlier age. And so five years, we're being behind many times if we did that as a rule. We're behind the eight ball. We're gone. And so there's this place to parents to ask the wisdom of the Lord how you walk with your kids to not just be crazy that you awaken things up before their time. That's, that's a whole nother issue. That, that uh, you know, there's a journey that you take, but there's certain things you don't want to wait before the time. But I want to say this to you, to tell you two examples of this that you may have heard me say before. You don't want to make the assumption that I want to create this beautiful pure background for my kids to raise up in and allow, it'll all come out good. In fact, imagine this marker board being a kid's heart. And literally what happens is you judge the things a kid, or we all do, we judge what we see, hear, or feel out of the conclusions of our heart. Remember, judge means divide out or sort out. If nothing's written there, whatever they hear, they're very susceptible to. In fact, let me give you an example. Um, one time I'm dealing with a young man who was, who was wrestling with uh, uh, an addiction to homosexual chat rooms. 
guy was, you know, and so he came to me and deal with this addiction. And so I'm going, okay, you know, you've been sexually abused? No. And, and when I, you start asking him the questions, phenomenal Christian home. Dad was an engineer, and Dad was also on the side, helped pastor a church. And, uh, but also his mom, you know, in the medical field, precious woman of God, precious family, everything looked beautiful and perfect. But here's this young man growing up in this lily white, let's just call it that way, family lot background. But one of the things is dad just being very busy and work and ministry, hardly having much time to father his son. And that's where you'll see the process of what I'm talking about here is about the process of fathering and mothering. And so in this process, his father not being there, you know, being there but not being there to father him in this area. And so, you know, as, as we got talking to him about it and finding out what the root of what was going on in his life, what had happened was is when he was around 12 or 13 years old, had no thoughts about homosexuality before 12 or 13 14. I can't remember the specific age. None. But then what he said was is that when he was about 12 or 13, he heard the guys talking at school about this physical relationship stuff. But he kind of didn't want to sound dumb, and so he wouldn't ask anybody. So what he did was he just did what the safe thing to do, and he go home, goes home, and he Googles it. Well, the first thing that pops up on a Google about sex was a homosexual chat room. That was the root of his issue. See, literally on the, the, the screen of his heart, the first thing that got wrote on there judge, about judging sexuality was a homosexual chat room. Parents missed an opportunity to father and mother into him what is the truth of God about physical relationships? The crazy thing is, like you've heard me do it before, it'd be interesting to me to take a survey, and I don't want to do this, but how many of us in this room, you know, if it'd be interesting to me to ask all of us in this room, raise your hand, how many of you in this room had your father and mother sit down and walk with you in the journey of, of physical relationships? I would bet you there would probably be only about 10 or 15% would. And as a result, you know, where we where we catch truth, quote, where we catch righteousness and truth about physical issues, what's written on our heart, in the world. In the world, what is it today? Oh, it's cute for a four-year-old and a five-year-old. Oh, they're kissing. No! On a waking hat before the time. It's not cute. You know? Oh, it's so innocent. Yeah, that's Satan, what Satan wants to do. You know how much money is out there for a young man who is, quote, a virgin to be gotten by a, another homosexual man? Because why? They want the innocent. It's sick. And so the, the truth is, is that what we need to deal with the process to be fathered and mothered. I remember for, for Paul and I, it was that place where her mother mothered her in some, and not in the details a lot, it was more than we needed, was to, in relationship to, 
sex life. I remember Paula just asking her mom, Mom, will it ever stop hurting? You know, and her mom talking to her and being able to speak into her, mother her, help encourage her. And I mean, so y'all, the fathering and mothering don't, it starts young and it goes past marriage. You know, dude, I mean, the things that Paul and I dealt with, we wish anything we had somebody to father and mother us in the totality of it. And so what happens as a result, y'all, the world will father us. The world will mother us. And so, and they give us crap. But I just want to speak into us to understand time and process of the event, of the delight that God has for us. It's very, very, very critical. And that's where you'll see in that Hebrews chapter 12 passage where it talks about fathering, discipline. You remember discipline doesn't mean punishment. Discipline means to train or equip. It's in that where you can embrace holiness. And I want to put this commercial in there uh, real quick. Parents, you have littler kids. Now, when, when things happen that are kind of not cool, don't panic. It's the bad things and the good things that happen when they're little that are opportunities to di- disciple. I remember one time a, uh, a young father came, called me and says, <gasps> and he was really just panicking because what had happened, his young son was with another with another another. Uh, another young boy and they got on the internet and some craps happened and you know goofiness happened and he and he, he was just he was heartbroken you know that this had happened and and I just told him I said you know you know it's not cool okay but it's okay it is okay you know you don't have to respond in a manner and don't think your kid's going to grow up to be a serial rapist because this has happened or whatever but, you know, don't allow the enemy to tell you that your kid's going to be screwed up. That is an opportunity to just minister and love into him, those opportunities, father or mother. And so, and that, that is the heart. That I, Even today, y'all, the heart of for Paul and I, and really, really cool, I'll say this, train a child up a way should they go and they will not part. It's like Paul and I watching God do some phenomenal things in Michelle's heart. I know many of y'all... Some of y'all have been praying in Michelle, Michelle's life and just really some out there Holy Ghost Jesus things have been happening in Michelle's life lately. Seeing her, just some of the things that are in her blossoming and, and bearing fruit in it, babe. And in that place, it's so cool to just, that she just knows 100% that she can just talk to us about anything because we're going to talk to her about anything. And it is so cool. And I just really want to encourage y'all to, to walk in this place, one, parents toward your kids, you know, to be fathered and mothered, the father and mother. But uh, maybe I said that right. And then, then there's the flip side. Every one of you in here, you know, just get fathered and mothered. Don't, don't try to go it on. I, I say to you singles, don't try to go it alone. There's a lot of men and women in this body right here that will stand with you, walk with you, when we do marriage counseling now, it's not one couple that does it. How many couples do we have? Like five or six, four, three, two, one, four. At least four different couples we have trying to do marriage counseling with couples so that we're coming at them and father and mother from, 
from different areas, different angles. And we get grubby about, you know, everything about what may happen. And so that's the heart. That's the heart in it. And, and so, third thing, that if we're going to deal with this, that we need to understand the fullness of needs and how it can manifest. And baby, you, need, you shared something last night you need to share. If you remember what you were sharing, when we start talking about needs. Because, because what will happen is, and when I talk about soulish needs, realize this in Colossians 1.19, realize that it was the Father's good pleasure for all fullness to dwell in Him. Fullness. Pleasure of God to dwell in fullness. And when we think of fullness, as it says in Philippians 4.19, my God shall literally fulfill or complete all your needs according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Needs. Literally, what you know is that there's spiritual, there's physical, and there's soulish needs. But literally, when we're talking about an issue like physical relationships, one issue that's very out there is what we call soulish needs. And you know, one of the things I want to say is because, like I shared with y'all a couple, three, few, three or four weeks ago, that, uh, that, that, you know, there was a point in time that where this spirit of adultery is just trying to hammer Paul and I. And I shared this with y'all, and I shared with y'all then that out of just realizing as we're talking about this issue that I'm not coming trying to come across from this holier-than-thou attitude that I got all together. But that I won't face this kind of stuff. And, and when I, Paula told me that when I shared this, it pushed all kind of buttons in the body because I think what maybe some two sides, one is is people realize that, oh, if a husband just be like Rick, he never deal with an issue. Well, yeah, right. Second thing is, though, and it really broke my heart. Paul was sharing with me. Some people feel I made light of it. That was the least of it. Because what did I share with you? I wanted you to know the real, the realities and depth of my heart. Speaking it to the elders. Hey, I'm dealing with, this is coming at me. I'm speaking it to Tulio and Mitch even more in depth. I'm speaking it with my wife and sharing with her and the struggle that was. But, but, but in this. But then more importantly than anything, sharing it with them, sharing, sharing with the elders and and. Mitch and Tulio and my wife was taking it to the Lord. Because the interesting thing was, is this start, thing started coming down and putting pressure on me in the spirit. And that's sort of like what the enemy will do, is that the spiritual environment will come. And what literally I know was happening was, you know, the word of God tells us that judgment must begin in the house of God. And so we're going to speak on sexuality. So it's like all of a sudden it's going on. Okay, you're going to do this? Well, let's deal with you. And so every area in my life was getting manifest. It's sort of like, a, you heard me say before, a submarine sitting on the, on, the, on the surface. If it's got holes in its hull, it's, it's okay. But as it submerges and it goes deeper into the heart of God, into the holiness and majesty and righteousness of God, any areas that are not in line get manifest. Those areas are not manifested. Satan would want them to take them there to bring destruction, but those areas become manifested so they can be dealt with. And as what happened in my heart, in my life, as these things started manifesting, God, in fact, it, it all crescendoed in one particular night. Paul has got a migraine headache, and you know it's a thing from pit, pit of hell. She's got a migraine. She's just rendered incapacitated. So she's in bed asleep, and it's about, you know, probably about 8 o'clock, 7.30, 8 o'clock. She's just out of it. And I'm laying, I'm just sitting in the, in the living room just praying and dealing with this, going to the Lord. 
And, I, you know, and all of a sudden the Lord starts revealing to me, first, two, first thing is areas in my heart in relationship to past sin. Some 30 years ago, some areas in dealing with people in dealing with sexual sin. Like, like for example, uh, you know, I, I shared with y'all how I was dealing with like, I think, six different pastors overseas that were dealing with adulterous relationships. And then, and then not only that, I get back over here and another pastor deals with sexual immorality. And then, the, and then all of a sudden we deal with a, another couple who's dealing with crazy sexual immorality. It's just crazy. All at one time and the subtle judgments that arise in my heart toward these people. Judge not lest you be judged. Same way you judge, you'll be judged. These things started manifesting. Giving me an opportunity. And so there that, that I'm just confessing. And dealing with everything that I know to do. Because knowing that if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. But the second thing that was really interesting to me that manifested in my life were needs. Particularly in two areas. The need of love and acceptance. And all of a sudden, and you know, y'all, I'm going to just put a little comma in this. Paula could have performed it 100% that since the day we've been married, 35 some plus years ago. Or everything could have been, everybody could have done it right around me right now. It didn't make any difference. It didn't make any difference what she did or anybody else did. You know what was going on? The problem was not them. The problem was here. My heart's leaking. An area of love and acceptance. And I remember sitting on the, sitting on the couch just crying out in these, these words. It's kind of funny now. But I'm just thinking, dude, and I know, what, I know what's manifested in me. And I'm going, these are needs. Oh, God, I wrote a book on this. <laughs> and, and I'm thinking, what oh, did I yeah, yeah, I did. I did. I was going, okay, okay, what did, what, what did, what did I say in the back? You know, or how to deal with this? And so everything I know, I'm just dealing with, I'm wrestling with this. I'm, I'm just dealing with issues that cause my heart to leak. Because, you know, your heart's like a, like a, like a styrofoam cup. You see me do that illustration before. It's like a styrofoam cup, and God's pouring his fullness into you. What Satan wants to do is poke holes in your heart so that when the fullness of God comes in, it leaks out. And so all my heart's just leaking there. The love of God, the fullness of God, of love was just leaking out like a sieve. The love of my wife, it didn't make any difference what she did. No matter how what, you know, and I could try to get her to feel guilty and get her to perform a little better so it would sedate my heart. But, but that night, I just started dealing, allowing God to be the filler of my needs in those specific areas that got manifested. And it was so cool. Hey, y'all, I'll tell you this, and I, this is such a cool thing, that that night, it, you know, it was just like a point there. You know, when you're dealing with acceptance, how you want to, what's the opposite thing you want to do? Reject. So there was this place that I'm going, I don't want to get in bed with Paula. I just don't even get in bed with her. You know, I just, I'm just going to go up and get in one of the, sleep in one of the beds upstairs. Now we got options. We got other beds. <laughs> and so just well, two others. And anyway, so I just remember this, this, this battle, and I'm going, no. I'm just going, no. I will not. And I just remember, I will go and get in bed with my wife. And after a lot, God just dealt with that. Now, you know, that's stupid, that's small, but I'll tell you what, in the spirit it was huge. Because i tell you this, I don't know what all happened in all that transactions that occurred in that hour, two hours that I was praying. I know this, the next morning when I got up, that spirit was gone. 
that weight that was been harassing me for a period of time was gone. And I'm going, dude, <laughs> that's cool. That is cool. It's gone. You know, and so that, that's the reality is that we're, what happens is needs can have an effect. And for us to not to know to minister into this, into these areas and cause what happens in people's lives. Because like, like I was sharing with you a while ago about a, a young man dealing with homosexuality. What's happening is a need in there of him, of identity. Who is he? Who is he? As a man thinks in his heart, so he is. You know, or acceptance. We're a young woman who's just been abused by men all her life. And in her heart, she's going, I don't want to be loved by a man. It means what? Pain. Acceptance. I don't want to go there. So guess what? It's easy for her to do because of the abuse in her heart that creates needs of love and acceptance. She'd easily go, not easily, but sometimes it can be, into homosexuality, lesbianism. And the way to deal with her is in her heart and deal with in those places in her heart. And for us to understand that and and one of the things I just want to read here, you know, I just write, as God, as I feel like God gave it to me. And if you get something, baby, in this, feel free, please. Engaging in physical relationships outside of marriage or contrary to the heart of God within marriage creates holes in your heart. Uh, Y'all will talk about this next week. But you got to realize this. We got to realize this. Sex is not intimacy. It's not intimacy. Physical relationship is not intimacy. Physical relationship is a fruit of intimacy. It's the result of knowing. And what Satan wants to do is distort that in so many ways. I've, I've you know, one of the things that's interesting to me is we minister to young girls. Sometimes we'll see them when they get into a relationship and it's so easy for them to fall into a trap of getting physical. And young girls, what will happen is, especially if they've had a rough background, is that what they'll think is the only way that guy will accept them is from the physical side. And so all of a sudden, if the guy says, um, you know, listen, we don't wanna, I don't want to have any physical... We don't it's, it's keep ourselves until we get married. Can't tell how many times I've seen this where the girl will manifest needs or will expose because why? The only way that she could think that she could perform to gain acceptance is to be physical with a guy. How many times have I prayed with a young, with a not young necessarily, young and older, that were they told, they said, girls said to me, Women said to me, the only reason why I ever had sex was because I just wanted a guy to hold me. That's the only place that I knew that a guy would hold me. So I'd just give myself. I, didn't, I don't want it. I just want him to hold me. That's a need of, of intimacy distorted. Need of love distorted. And one of, many times the root of it is a father who would never be intimate with their daughters. You know, and that, you know, that's why, Sean, I pick on you. I mean, that's why there's crazy moments when you're chasing kids all over the creation and doing that. Those are all treasures. Those are all seeds planting in those kids' hearts that the devil cannot steal. You know, or 
a need of identity. Like a young lady one time we are ministering to, she comes to me and says, Rick, I'm dealing with sexual addiction. It's manifested in the physical. We start praying with her, and what happened when she was 16? She was date raped. She received the lie that she was dirty. She was used. The fruit of it was, is guess what? This is what she thought about herself. She's dirty and she's used, so where does she go? That's where she goes. The way to minister to her is through the heart in the area of, of dealing with the needs that where her heart's leaking. To understand that. But like I said, engaging in physical relationships outside of marriage creates holes or also sedates the need. Also, in, in the context of marriage, if we're just talking about contrary to the heart of God, like, for example, a husband, you know, oh, it's, it's legal. It's okay to have, for a husband to have sex with his wife. Huh? How about if the basis of the sex is, is lust and not love? What you're doing is just sedating, the, sedating an area rather than dealing with the area in the heart. I've watched it so many times. No, my life, but also in the lives of other men is what is going on. They just do that in this, rather than ministering to the place of intimacy in the depths. And that's where I'm, you know, in allowing the, the, to open the depths to allow areas in your heart to be exposed so you can get down to the depths that where the physical relationship with the spouse is out of the depths of love and intimacy and not just a physical act. I just bless God that God gave me a wife like he gave me. That where intimacy in the purest form is what she's pushed me to. I mean, here I'm, you remember you all heard me share my testimony in the background that by the time I'm eight or nine years old, I'm in hardcore pornography because my neighbors or parents have wife swapping parties and they're filled with pornography and they have the Super 8 movies you know, that all the hardcore pornography. And so here we are watching all this stuff and seeing all this stuff occurring. So pornography for me was a major issue. Intimacy? You know, I remember you remember me telling this that Paul would say to me many times early in our relationship, Rick, and there are times that you can just hold me? And I'm going, why? You know, I mean, really, literally, I was coming out of my heart because why? So we could have, we would have physical relationship, but all that would do is sedate. But down through the years, God has just used Paula and worked through Paula in a way to go, Rick, this whole thing's more about relationship. It's a fruit of relationship. And I'm not saying we got it perfect and all that kind of stuff. Please don't hear that. But it, there's a journey here that we're discovering the awesomeness of it. And it's all got to do with where all of a sudden the fullness, let's hear this, the fullness of the bridegroom manifesting in me. And then the revelation of the church manifesting in Paula, knowing who she is, washed with the water of the word. So, and, uh, but also I want to stop here a second. I don't know what I'm about to say, but I'm going to say it. You are single. I just, one of the things is, I just want to declare into you, you know, that maybe God, you know, you don't know. You'll be single the rest of your life or whatever. And that's okay, because, I mean, Jesus was there, Paul was there. That's cool. But I just want to declare you don't lack. And don't fall into the trap of thinking that some physical relationship will give you that fullness. It will not. It will create holes or it will sedate a need until you die. Y'all remember me sharing with y'all were mothers down in, down in Central America, South America, their babies that were hungry, 
they, would, they didn't have the money to feed them food, so what they would do is they'd let them sniff glue instead of they, so they couldn't feel the hunger pains, so they'd let them sniff glue. So you got a whole generation raised up on, on an addiction to glue because they never knew, could recognize a God-given need uh, indicator. So I just want to say to you in this, y'all, you don't lack. Don't give in to think that physical relationships are the thing that satisfies. Oh, they're joyous and there's a purpose, and we'll talk about that next week. The last thing I want to speak real quick is if you would take your Bibles with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. This is too big to me not to, to ask you to turn there and follow with me in this. Because when we're talking about physical relationships, we're going to talk, we've got to address something that's, that the enemy is trying to violate today. One of the other issues we're dealing with in culture here today, in, the, in this period of time, is there theology out there right now that a lot of big, or some big TV teachers are preaching this thing where, you know, you know, sin's just totally dealt with and you don't have to worry about any of it. You know, it's just totally dealt with, you know. Jesus has paid the payment for sin. The deposit has been put in the bank account. But we need to download it, y'all. And there's a whole lot of stuff I could say about that. But I want to, in fact, we'll deal with that in the future. But what it's doing, I will say this to you about it, is sedating and telling a whole generation not to deal with their issues. It's crazy. You know, it's like putting a Band-Aid over cancer. And so what, what God is doing and and so I want you to notice this passage here and one of the concepts that get brought up in this thing is sanctification but it's important for us to realize something and I want you to notice here in first Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 3 for this is the will of God get that I mean that's a pretty declaration this is the will of God now watch this this is the will of God your sanctification whoa whoa wait a minute here now watch what context, look how many times sanctification is used and notice the context. This is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. All of a sudden, sexual immorality is attached with sanctification. What? Wait a minute now. This is the will of God, your sanctification, abstain from fleshly immorality, that each of you know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor. That's a big statement there, y'all. The Tulio would understand how to possess this vessel, how to claim this vessel in sanctification and honor. Now, let me pause here. Sanctification. What does it mean? You know, the definition we always use, threefold meaning. You know, it's, it's set apart, it's uncommon, and it is clean. And the illustration we always use is an operating room. You go down to Montgomery Hospital down here, you find the operating room, and you will find out that it is totally separate from every other room in the hospital. It is also uncommon. You see authorized personnel only. Third thing is you go inside the operating room, and you'll find people running around with weird clothes over their hair, feet, you know, all over. Because why? The place is clean. When we, God is saying sanctification God's will for you is sanctification, abstain from sexual morality. Because what is this culture trying to do? That sex is totally not set apart. To catch revelation that you, I mean like Ben Harris, from foundation of the world, God set Ben Harris apart 
physically for Shelley. To catch that revelation. Been to walk in that and wait to the revelation of the one. Totally set apart for her. Ben is not common. His physical body is not common. That's what the world wants you to think. Oh, sex, that's common. Everybody, oh, yeah, okay. And it's not clean. Whoever, whatever. And the distortions of, of, of uh, physical relationships is just crazy. Turn on the TV. I mean, it's so crazy. It's stuff I would see on the Super 8s on kids' programs, it seems like. It's crazy. Almost. And so what, but what God is speaking into us, it says, this is God's will for your sanctification, abstain from sexual morality, not in lustful passions like the Gentiles do. That's, real, that's a major revelation. We'll talk about that, not today. But the, one of the things you deal with in physical relationships is the physical body. Now, we'll talk about in a second here about this, but I want you to catch this on down. It says, uh, let me skip. Did I already miss it? Yeah. Notice verse 4. Each of you know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. Notice down in verse 8, 7. For God has not called us for the purpose of purity, but in sanctification. Three times in a few verses, God declares over sanctification in relationship to physical relationships. Holy. And one of the things, if we're going to embrace relationships, physical relationships, we've got to embrace the depth of this. Now, why is sanctification important? Let me just quote some past scripture to you. In, that, in Roman, you see in your notes there, Romans chapter 3, 6, verse 22. There's a passage that says there, you have been set free from sin, your freedom. And let me just, my mind's gone blank. I'll probably quote somewhere else. But in Romans 6, 22, listen to this. But now having been freed from sin and a slave to God, you derive your benefit resulting in sanctification. Notice the result of your sanctification. Eternal life. I want you all to notice that, y'all. Sanctification, the result of sanctification is eternal life. Think about this Hebrews 10, 14 passage. For by, it says, uh, um, pursue peace with all men and sanctification without which none will see the Lord. Now, y'all, for you and I, the deception is, is that I can do whatever And it don't matter. Well, how do, how, do, how do I pursue this sanctification? How do I declare this? What you've got to catch is the revelation of this. And, and if I can real quick give you revelation just real quick about a complex issue. You're made three parts. You have a spirit that's made to communicate into the spiritual realm. You have a, you have a physical body, which we'll call flesh, that communicates and touch bases with the world. And you have a soul, which is the chooser that chooses. It's made of the mind and the will that chooses whether you set your mind in the flesh or in the spirit. So simple. But y'all, there's this passage in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. It says this. I pray that the God of peace may sanctify you entirely body, soul, and spirit at his coming. Now, get that in the back of your mind. That what, but all of a sudden, that what it talks about, that 
you and I be preserved complete in, in holiness and sanctification, body, soul, and spirit. Now, because how does this work? Watch this. What makes us holy? What starts the process? In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 12, it tells us what makes us holy is the blood of Jesus. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 10 says this. It says, by this will we have been sanctified by the offering of his body once for all. So literally, what's happening, y'all, when you and I are born again, we're, our spirit literally takes on, I don't know how to draw it. Before, this whole thing's got all lines and it's not cool. But as soon as you and I are born again, we're born of the water and of the spirit. Our spirit is holy, perfect. But the problem is, y'all, also sin has permeated our flesh and our body. I mean, in our, in our soul. Literally. Where you see, in, like in Romans chapter 7, where it talks about the flesh, and it says where sin dwells. It literally makes a statement. It says, you know, where it goes in that statement, it says, that which I do not do, I do not want to do. That what I want to do, I do not do. If I'm doing the very thing I do not want to do, I'm confessing with the law that is good. And he goes on to say, I know nothing good dwells in me, in my flesh. No, no, he says, I'm sorry, sin dwells in me. In verse 17. And you go, where? Where's this sin dwelling? Yeah, you remember when, you know, and I'm sorry if I mentioned this, but Brandon, Brandon Brinkley. When Brandon, you know, he was in the internship program, and he's going, man, I got, my back's hurting me. I said, Rick, uh, Brandon, you need to go, go see my doctor. So I sent him to see my doctor, and he goes, and, and all of a sudden, uh, you know, I get that phone call. They're forgetting. All of a sudden, they're going, Brandon has cancer, that tumor in his back. He's got cancer, and he's also got, he's got, he's got tumors in his lungs, and he's got tumors in his, in his uh, liver. And I'm going, dude, he's got cancer in those spots. So get, that, get that big tumor in his back out. That's my thoughts. And they're going, no, 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 we've got to find out where it's from. I'm going, dude, that's a big tumor. I think it was the size of a grapefruit. And, and they're going, well, we've got to find out where it's from. And they go, and where they found out was the origin of the tumors there was in a place that Brandon wasn't even feeling anything. It was in relationship to a testicular cancer. That was the origin. That's where the cancer was. Where's our problem? Well, it begins, it says, as in Romans 7, in our flesh. Like in Romans 6, 12, it says, don't let sin reign in your mortal bodies that you would obey its lust. So literally, y'all, what happens, we see that when we're made holy here when we're born again. But 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 says this. Sanctify, imagine this, this is me, B.C. And imagine this as soon as I got born again. Sanctify Christ, sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. So take the negatives, make them into pluses. Make it holy, Rick. That's what I was doing, what I was sharing with y'all. How the holiness of the Lord permanent in my life was starting to allow the reality and the truth of Jesus to come into my soul, into those areas in my heart that where he wasn't. And so what happens is, so you get in that place and allowing the holiness to come from the Lord 
where your spirit, y'all, as soon as you're born again, according to Ephesians 4.24, is created in all righteousness and holiness of the truth. But the declaration is, in relationship to physical, sanctification, because what's happening in the world is pressing you to take the physical and sexually pervert it. And what happens, y'all, when that occurs, it goes this way. It steals from your soul. It captures your soul. Like it talks about in Proverbs 5 with a young man with a, with a harlot. He says she'll drag your soul into Hades. It takes about, it'll take your vigor. It'll take your life from you. And that's what the world would do and what the passage of Scripture is declaring in 1 Thessalonians. No, allow the truth of God to permeate our lives so that holiness begins like this. It comes from the Spirit. We take on the Spirit man into the depths of our soul and allow it to come out and change our physical actions. And that's the heart, y'all. Because I'm going to tell you, you know, as we start to make stands in this, uh, my heart is that we don't do dumbness. That we don't think, you know, uh, you know, globally without thinking individually in people's hearts. But here's the second thing, and it is, is that we begin the journey in us. That, you know, y'all, that culture cannot push you in relationship to sexual immorality. Distort the physical relationship, either single or, or married. That the reality of Jesus would permeate every facet of our existence. And uh, as a result, power occurs. Life occurs in our lives. Beginning like husband and wife, and then as it goes out, Um, uh, there are two major things that I want to say that was in my heart for this. One is um, that you, in this whole process, that you would have an understanding and I would have an understanding how to stand against the pressure in culture. You know, I mean, we, I read you that article about Oregon... Oregon, Washington, New Mexico, and Colorado. Y'all, those ain't foreign countries. I told Tulio the other day, I said, watch out. What, what, what does not mean that all of a sudden somebody cannot come into the, you know, somebody with an agenda goes, big, you know, gay rights activists and go, okay, I won't. I want a job in learning the tree of life. Or I want to teach your Sunday school class. Oh, we had one time, we had a young man come in here, about 6'4", was in the process of a, a sex change. And he came and said, I want to go to the intercessor prayer women's intercessor prayer meeting at Molly's house. You remember that? How do we deal with that? 
I like I tell you how to deal with. Met with him in that room right over there. And I mean, he come walking in about six four with a dress. And I mean, you saw it. You just heart wanted to break. And uh, and he sat down and and uh, and I'm going, bro. I'm gonna tell you this. I paraphrase. We'll love you, but we're gonna see you as God sees you. We're gonna speak in you as God sees you. And then I told him, the things that have happened in your life are affecting your heart, and they're trying to distort who God created you to be. And God gave me some prophetic words about things happening in his life. And he stood up and he said, well, I can see I can't stay here. I don't know, it broke my heart. He got mad at us and walked out. And I didn't want that. But I cannot not speak the truth of God and let a young man like that live in captivity. And I want to say this, y'all, that ain't just for me. That's for you, too. Wherever you go, you make stands, too. So the first thing is, is that we know how to stand in truth. Second thing is, y'all, in speaking this stuff, that you individually and I individually, sanctification, holiness is the reality for our lives. Because y'all, when it comes to physical realm, we're all individually members of one another. If one enters into sexual immorality, it affects the whole body. Read 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 15, following. So, Tulio, you got something? Well, cool. You're pro- prophetic. I want, to, I want to say this, and then I'll turn it over to Tulio. Yeah. Uh, y'all, you know, if, if some of the things I'm saying are bringing some things up, we'll be glad to pray for you. But at the most part, if some of the things that is bringing stuff up, you don't need to be having some quick prayer up here. You need ministry. So Tammy and Tulio will take care of all of it. Hallelujah. <laughs> no. See no. Bev. No, we have a ministry set up called called Freedom Teams, and Bev takes care of that for us. And and we want to love on people and minister into people's hearts so that freedom may may come. And so uh, so in our hearts, and we'll be glad to be up here and be praying for anybody that needs something. So. Amen, amen. Our our heart as elders is that we would be equipped. And I want you to hear the one thing is that you'd be equipped with freedom from yourself. The Word of God says that we're to love one another as we've loved ourselves, right? So we're walking in the love of God and the freedom of Christ Jesus. And the second is that we, we approach the creation of God, whether they're walking with him or not, with love. Amen? Amen. Well, I, I want to provoke you to truth, but I should be doing that with the cashier at Walmart. <laughs> You know, I should be doing that with the librarian, with my, my, my child's teacher, with the person that I encounter at the gas station. My, what I know and, and who I am should, should provoke you to truth. God, we thank you that you are truth. Lord, that you are love. Lord, that you are all-knowing. That you know us even as we were in that place of worship, that 
we made that proclamation that you know us, that you formed us with purpose and destiny and that you are the redeemer. It's not about what I've, what I've done. It's about who you've created me to be. Soaring, flying in freedom, fulfilling those steps that you've ordained for me. Amen? Amen. We do have a Joel meeting tonight at 6.30, and I'm just going to echo one more time what Rick said is that we'd be happy to, to pray with you. I was thinking about an elders meeting, an elder's wife, and she said, well, I'm just going to put my stuff right out here on the table, and I thought about that on the laminate. Maybe that's not for you. There's a team of people that want to minister to you, and it will be outside of Sunday morning. Bev schedules those people, and so I would just encourage you to, to see her, or we'll make sure that number is in the weekly email.